Good morning. Breaking news on a mission. The secretaries of state and defense make a secret trip to Kyiv for a high-stakes face-to-face with Ukraine's president, delivering military aid, an announcement about the return of U.S. diplomats, and a blunt assessment of Russia's war so far. He's already lost a lot of military capability and a lot of uh, a lot of its troops, quite frankly. Just ahead, the striking words from the defense secretary about the long-term fight against Russia. We're live with the very latest from inside that summit and what happens next. Breaking overnight, decisive victory. French President Emmanuel Macron wins re-election, beating back a far-right pro-Putin candidate in a race that had the eyes of the world on it. The overnight clashes sparked by that result and the impact on the escalating tensions throughout Europe. On the rise, more than 30 states seeing an increase in COVID cases over the last two weeks as the tug of war over masks drags on. Some colleges now bringing back mandates, only adding to the frustration. We'll have everything you need to know. Border battle, a group of Republicans heading to Texas today. Why they say President Biden's plan to lift a controversial immigration restriction will create a flood of new migrants into the states and how the White House is responding this morning. And scares show, a first of its kind aerial stunt, two pilots attempting to swap planes in midair ends in a frightening crash. We will have a closer look at what went wrong, how those pilots avoided an even worse disaster, and the investigation now underway today, Monday, April 25th, 2022. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Kotb. From Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. And good morning, everybody. Welcome to today. It is 7 a.m. on the West Coast Monday morning. Glad you are starting it with us. And good to see you. It's so great to see you, too. You had a couple days off, but I missed you. I missed you as always. <laughs> All right, we got a lot to get to, guys, including this is a wild piece of video. It's a plane swap. It's a stunt that went really wrong. Luckily, both pilots were not hurt. After one of the aircraft started spiraling out of control, and now we're learning this, the FAA had denied them permission to even perform that maneuver. We'll have details straight ahead. Yeah, that happened in Arizona. It's also a morning of extreme weather coast to coast, wildfires raging out west, including in Arizona, New Mexico, burning more than 150,000 acres so far. Meantime, a springtime blizzard slammed North Dakota, dropping 18 inches of snow. And there's Al. He's watching the system that could bring more flooding to Texas this morning. We'll get his full forecast. But we began in Ukraine this morning. The secretaries of state and defense speaking out overnight after meeting with President Zelensky in Kiev. It's the highest level of American visit since the war began. We've got details on what was discussed and what is next. Let's start with NBC's Aaron McLaughlin, who's in Kiev for us this morning. Hi, Aaron. Good morning. Good morning, Savannah. Here in Kyiv, the U.S. Embassy is sealed off as it has been since the beginning of this war, but that's all about to change. On Sunday, the U.S. Secretaries of State and Defense visited the Ukrainian capital with promises of more military aid and diplomacy they say is necessary for Ukraine to win this war. For the first time since the beginning of this 60-day war, top U.S. officials visited the Ukrainian capital. President Zelensky greeting the U.S. secretaries of state and defense in a visit shrouded in secrecy. What a pleasure it is to see you in person. 
promising an additional $700 million in foreign military aid. Secretary Austin says the goal is to make sure Russia suffers significant military losses. We want to see Russia uh, uh, weakened uh, to the degree that it can't uh, do the kinds of things that uh, it has done uh, in, in invading Ukraine. Blinken also announcing the nomination of a new U.S. ambassador, Bridget Brink, and the return of U.S. diplomats to Ukraine. This morning, President Zelensky thanking the United States for the support. At a press conference before the visit held at one of the capital subway stations, doubling as a presidential bomb shelter, I asked President Zelensky about his message to the U.S. secretaries. Why is it important for high-ranking U.S. officials to visit the Ukrainian capital? And what do you plan to tell them? We are expecting specific things and specific weapons, he says. This while on Orthodox Easter weekend, fighting raged on across the Donbass region. Inside the besieged port city of Mariupol, despite calls for a truce and hundreds of civilians trapped, Ukrainian officials say the Russians stormed and bombarded the old steel plant, the last Ukrainian stronghold. And this morning, fires are burning at two oil-related sites in the Russian city of Bryansk, close to the Ukrainian border. And yet in the capital, at the Good Bakery, faced with darkness and despair, the smell of fresh-baked bread and compassion, bringing smiles to people's faces. Carefully packing the loaves into boxes to bring Easter cheer to the capital's war-torn suburbs. Our bread is hope. And we work with hope. Ukraine on this Orthodox Easter, with death and destruction everywhere, there is also hope and the indomitable spirit of the Ukrainian people. Secretary Blinken says the United States will restore its diplomatic presence inside Ukraine this week with the aim of returning to this embassy as soon as possible. Savannah. All right, Aaron, thank you. We're joined now by NBC News national security analyst Jeremy Bash, former chief of staff at the CIA and the Pentagon. Jeremy, we'll get to the nitty gritty of some of the deliverables in a moment. But first, what does it signal to have two high ranking American officials come to Kiev in the middle of this war? And, and frankly, should it have been President Biden? Well, Savannah, this visit by Secretary Austin and Secretary Blinken are not only symbols of American diplomatic and military power standing foursquare behind Ukraine, but also, as you noted, they came with specifics. They came with tangible new announcements about weapons and about uh, opening of our embassy in Kyiv. Should have been President Biden. Look, he travels with a much larger security entourage. Would have been much harder to keep secret. We did that in Iraq and Afghanistan. But then again, our troops who were on the ground there, we controlled the skies. But Defense Secretary Austin, in a briefing afterward, made some striking remarks about what the U.S. was hoping in terms of Russia, wanting Russia to be weakened and unable to rebuild its military. Were you struck by that? Is that a significantly more aggressive posture than you would have expected the defense secretary to, frankly, say out loud? Well, actually, Savannah, I was glad he said it because I think it's clearly that's our policy. That's our policy in the West. We can't allow Russia to do this again to Ukraine. If we just push them back to the status quo ante, they could continue to have a military capability that could uh, that could hold Ukraine under threat. And I don't think we in the West should allow that. In his readout of the meeting, President Zelensky mentioned further sanctions, really made that a, a point of stressing something we didn't hear a lot from the American officials about tougher sanctions. Is that a point of disconnect between the two countries right now? No, not at all. In fact, the U.S. is rolling out new sanctions all the time. I think the key, Savannah, is, of course, when we roll out sanctions, we have to do so in concert with our NATO allies. If we do it alone, it's not going to be worth much. So we have to do it totally in concert with Europe. And, of course, we're working on that 
all the time. All right, Jeremy Bash, thanks for your time. Appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, Savannah. Let's move now to the results of a closely watched election with consequences for the war and the Western Alliance. French President Emmanuel Macron winning re-election, surviving a challenge for Marianne Le Pen, a far-right opponent with links to Vladimir Putin. Today's senior international correspondent, Keir Simmons, joins us from Paris. Keir, good morning. Hoda, good morning to you. In the end, this was not a change election. And with the current crisis in Europe, many Western leaders will be breathing a sigh of relief this morning. Emmanuel Macron had told the French people that voting for his opponent would be like electing President Trump or voting for Brexit. In the end, the French people chose not to go that way. President Macron, victorious and relieved. Merci. Re-elected by an unexpectedly wide margin, 58 to 42 percent. Under the Eiffel Tower, elation among his supporters. It's 8 o'clock here at the Macron rally and people have just gone crazy because they've just announced the result on the big screen here, the exit poll. Excusez-moi, how are you feeling? Pretty excited, all good? It's a good picture. they showing the actual... Overnight, congratulations from President Biden. The vote for Macron, widely seen as a vote for continuity amid the turmoil of war in Europe. France rejecting the prospect of a pro-Putin president in Paris. Marine Le Pen supporters devastated. I'm very disappointed because uh, I was really think uh, I really think uh, that she will win. Le Pen losing for the third time, defiant. It was unprecedented for a far-right candidate, the highest vote total since World War II, underscoring deep frustrations across France. It's going to be the same old mess, getting worse and worse. And overnight, clashes with police on the streets of Paris. Protesters angry at the election of a leader, critics say is an establishment elitist. President Macron vowing to find an answer to his people's anger. As they left his rally last night, many yearning for unity and opportunity. I think he needs to, to listen to the people of France, yes. because uh, if he doesn't, uh, Le Pen uh, or the next one may, yeah. may win and it will be very dangerous for, yeah, for, for the, the country. country. But yeah. Globally, Hoda, this was an historic moment. President Zelensky, one of the first to congratulate President Macron this morning. The Kremlin says President Putin has sent his congratulations. Ukraine, one of the many challenges President Macron now faces, Hoda. All right, Keir Simmons for us there in Paris. Keir, thank you. In the meantime, Republican lawmakers head to the southern border today looking to put a spotlight on the Biden administration's immigration policies. NBC's Morgan Chesky joins us from Eagle Pass, Texas, where the lawmakers will be today. Morgan, good morning. Yeah, Savannah, good morning. And it'll be House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy who's leading that group here in Eagle Pass later today. They're, of course, expected to discuss immigration, but specifically Title 42. That's the policy that's kept so many asylum seekers on the Mexico side of the U.S. border throughout the pandemic. In the meantime, in Washington, President Biden meeting with a Congressional Hispanic Caucus to discuss rolling back this policy, a move that's now facing bipartisan pushback. This morning, the latest clash over border policy. We won't just fight to secure the border. We will secure the border. 
Republican lawmakers visiting Eagle Pass, Texas today, drawing attention to what they see as a crisis on the border that will only be exacerbated by the Biden administration's plans to end Title 42, a public health policy that allows for the expedited removal of migrants at the U.S.-Mexico border during the COVID-19 pandemic. That measure, put in place by the Trump administration, has blocked more than 1.7 million attempts to cross the southern border. In March alone, accounting for half of the migrants expelled. Now Republicans say repealing Title 42 will lead to a bigger spike in migrants trying to enter the United States, just ahead of a summer surge. Title 42 being lifted means 500,000 over the next five weeks. My state of Texas, we just simply can't uh, absorb this. Immigration advocates argue Title 42 is being used as an immigration enforcement tool rather than a public health measure. Look, Title 42 is not consistent with our values and it doesn't keep us safer. But a growing number of Democrats, including some in key midterm races, have spoken out against the policy change. Arizona Senator Mark Kelly warning that this administration's lack of a plan to deal with this crisis will further strain our border communities. The White House says they are preparing. That includes moving officers, agents, DHS volunteer force, personnel to rapidly decompress points along the border and more efficiently process migrants. Texas Congressman Henry Cuellar, a Democrat whose district includes part of the border, calling the administration hypocritical. How can we have the, the emergency, a federal public emergency extended to July 15th and say there's a pandemic going on in the United States, but at the border, everything's fine and just let people uh, in into the United States. Now, the Department of Homeland Security is estimating up to 170,000 migrants could surge across the border when Title 42 is rolled back on May 23rd. This week in Washington, DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas is expected to testify on Capitol Hill. And officials tell NBC News that the White House views this as an opportunity for him to explain how they would roll back Title 42 uh, and also suggest that Congress could take action on immigration, including Title 42 as well. Savannah. All right, Morgan Chesky at the border for us. Morgan, thank you. 714, Craig joins the table with the latest confusion over masks again. Yes, yeah. again. Hoda, Savannah, good morning. Good morning to you as well. Travelers are packing flights nationwide with many heading home from spring break. And while masks are no longer required on airplanes, some students are arriving back on campus to new mandates. NBC's Jesse Kirsch is over at Columbia University for us here in New York. Jesse, good morning. Good morning, Columbia, just one of the schools where masks are making a classroom comeback. And while they're going back on in some settings, they're coming off in places like airplanes and on trains as well. And this sudden shift still has some people wondering what the rules actually are. This morning, America's mask debate showing no sign. I understand everybody's in a hurry to get their masks off, but we're older and uh, we're in no hurry. And there's still plenty of confusion out there. While a federal judge struck down the CDC's mandatory mask order on planes, some airports, including LAX, still require them, leaving passengers perplexed. I don't even have one on me, and I think I needed to. At least 31 states seen an uptick in COVID cases over the last two weeks, prompting some colleges nationwide to bring masks back. I kind of just laughed because it was like two weeks ago. I feel like they just like, like got rid of it. Including UConn, Syracuse, and Columbia University. 
I think it's appropriate because if the numbers get too high, they don't want to compromise the, the graduation. We're still in the pandemic. I don't care what other people do, but, you know, I'm keeping mine on. The mask inconsistency combined with the spread of COVID subvariants now raising more questions about what's ahead. What do you say to someone who says, well, it, it looks kind of just like the spread of the common cold now? While it might feel like it's the spread of the common cold, we still have people who are getting severe illness from it. We still have too many people unvaccinated or ineligible for a vaccine, such as under five. I also asked Dr. Patel how long it could take for us to see the impact of maskless flying. She says people who took a trip over the weekend could start feeling symptoms or testing positive as early as later today or tomorrow. Craig? And the mask confusion continues, Jesse Kirsch. Jesse, thank you. Nice balloons there, by the way. Thank you. Someone over there is having a boy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> what is going on? We're so happy out. you're back. Oh, nice yeah. to see Just look everybody. at you look, look, at look at you. Look oh, at everybody. Welcome back. Look at this, though. I mean, we talk about about rain. This is down in Sherman, Texas, just to the north of Dallas. Heavy rain, and they've got flood watches and warnings out now there today. Let's show you what we've got happening. Heavy showers to the south of Dallas now stretching all the way up through Arkansas on into Missouri. And you can see back to the west, we've got a little snow to talk about, so we're watching that very closely as well. We do have a risk of severe weather today, uh, isolated hail. Good news is tornado risk very low from Laredo, Texas, all the way to Buffalo, New York, as this cold front pushes to the east from Buffalo to Houston, Texas. The heaviest rain is going to be down through Texas on into Louisiana tomorrow. Scattered showers here in the northeast along the mid-Atlantic coast. That'll be the worst of it. We are, though, looking at, we continue to see this fire weather risk from our parts of Oklahoma, Nebraska, on into Colorado, parts of northern Texas as well. And then to the south, where we could see some more flooding, locally up to three inches of rain from Del Rio, Texas to Houston on into central parts of Louisiana. And that is your latest weather, guys. All right, Al. It's good to see you it's back, good to see by you the way. Guys. All right. Uh, coming up, a near disaster overnight. During a never-before-seen stunt in the skies above Arizona, two pilots were trying to swap planes mid-air. And then something went very wrong. What they're saying after one plane crashed and the investigation now taking flight. We'll be right back after this. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash today just go to indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash today conditions apply need to hire you need indeed 
Back now, 7.30. Why don't we gaze here at this beautiful bunch? This is our bustling control room. It's a Monday morning, April 25th. Look at that. 22. Okay, top left. Senior producer Pete Breen. Wave Pete. And, yes. and right to his side, our executive producer, Tom Mazzarelli. Known throughout the world, though, is Maz. Maz. Or Mazzy Star. You did request them to do a line dance. They refused. I know. Which, look at that. I'm like, do you guys know the electric slide or anything? They said no. no. Okay. No, they said no. They're ignoring it. They us. said no, yeah. but they're going to work on it. All we're right. So, just a little love for the control yep. room. 7.30 on a Monday morning. Let's get to the news. One firefighter was killed. Eight others injured yesterday while battling a house fire here in New York City. Officials say 31-year-old Timothy Klein died after a ceiling collapsed. He was one of more than 100 firefighters who responded to that fire in Brooklyn. Three other firefighters were taken to the hospital. Their conditions are unknown this morning. And the cause of the fire is still under investigation. The Supreme Court today is tackling a high-profile dispute between a public school district and a former football coach who said a prayer on the field after games. Joseph Kennedy was a coach at Bremerton High School near Seattle. For years, he would lean and pray on the 50-yard line. Sometimes students and other coaches would join him. Well, in 2015, the school district asked him to stop, and eventually he did lose his job. Kennedy's lawyers argue freedom of speech and freedom of religion allow him to pray on the field with students free to join if they do choose. Well, if you haven't bought your Powerball tickets for tonight's big drawing yet, don't worry, still plenty of time. The jackpot has grown to a whopping $421 million. No one's won Powerball's top prize since Valentine's Day, so the jackpot has been growing ever since. By the way, Powerball celebrating a big anniversary. This weekend marked 30 years since the very first drawing. Mm -hmm. uh, now, to what was supposed to be a stunt to end all stunts. Well, let's set the stage a little bit. The pilots of two small planes had planned to exit their cockpits mid-flight and then skydive into each other's aircraft. Uh, as you can see, though, in the video, things did not go according to plan. NBC senior national correspondent Carrie Sanders has the details. Hey, Carrie, good morning. Well, good morning. Not only was the stunt not successful, but the pilots could now find they're going to get their wings clipped because the FAA tells NBC News they did not sanction this stunt and they've now launched a full investigation. And rotating. Over the Arizona desert. We're in, man. It's go time. And live on a Hulu stream, two Cessna prop planes at 12,000 feet. It's business time. 42-year-old Andy Farrington at the controls of one, his cousin, 48-year-old Luke Aikens, piloting the other. But when they went noses down and bailed out to make what was billed as a first-of-its-kind mid-air plane swap, it didn't go as planned. An unexpected mid-air emergency, the blue plane in a flat spin, free fall. Farrington, falling at 140 miles per hour, deployed his chute. Remarkably, Aikens did make it to the other plane. Lips recovered. I'm recovered. The out-of-control plane self-deployed a tail chute and drifted to Earth. You safe, Andy? You safe? Yep, I'm all good. Both men on the ground, thankfully uninjured, but disappointed. Was there no shot at it? It was crazy. I, I heard you say, the blue plane's going crazy. And I was trying to tackle the silver one. It looked like it went over and then just kept going over. Before the jump, we asked Red Bull that sponsored the stunt via email, did the FAA have to approve this? The response, 
the Red Bull Air Force maintains a close working relationship with the FAA for all aircraft and aviation feeds. But after the failed attempt, the FAA telling NBC News, the agency on Friday denied the organizer's request for an exemption from federal regulations that cover the safe operation of an aircraft. In response to our follow-up question, the Red Bull spokesperson says, we are investigating how, despite our careful planning, this occurred. All right, so Carrie, you said that the FAA is investigating, so that brings up the question, what kind of punishment could these guys get? Well, the FAA, according to the FAA, they could possibly be grounded. Uh, they could pay some fines. The pilots could lose their licenses. Bottom line is the FAA is taking this very seriously because the Red Bull team requested permission and it was denied. All right, Carrie Sanders for us there. Carrie, thank you so much. We'll be right back after this. Now, 7.39. Mr. Hooker, yeah. bring us the light. Yes. Come on, We're going to take a little time out. Yes. Go. So it's happening temperature-wise. Out west, we've got some mild temperatures, but chilly. Denver, 59 degrees. That's 5 degrees below average. 15 cooler than it, it should be in Des Moines at 50. Look at Milwaukee, 50 degrees. But Syracuse, you're going to be near 80. Columbus, 77. Raleigh, 88 degrees. And in fact, down in the southeast, near record temperatures. New Orleans, Mobile, Alabama, uh, Albany, Atlanta, on into Birmingham, we could see records hitting those areas. For tomorrow, still chilly for Minneapolis, Chicago, Lexington, Dallas, even though it's 75, that's four degrees below average, but Richmond, Wilmington, Savannah getting near 90 degrees, and as we move into the latter part of the week, temperatures warm up by Friday, Chicago, you're at 60, 55 in Erie, PA, Atlanta, you're going to be 84 by Thursday. As we look toward the end of the week, warmer than average temperatures down through the Gulf, on into Florida, but Colder than average, northeast across the plains, on into California, and into early May. Seems a little chillier than average for the northeast. Still waiting for those spring temperatures on a regular basis, but warmer than average down through the Gulf. A little on the cool side as you go into the Pacific Northwest. And that's your latest weather. Guys. All right, Al. Thank you. Uh, still ahead, guys. The college football star set to make history at this week's NFL draft for his life off the field, raised by his two moms. We're going to hear from the entire family about the importance of their special moment. But first, these messages. We are back in our dearly beloved <laughs> Chanel is here. Chanel, you lost your grandfather, you, um, Dr. Val Ooh, Brown. Kick yeah. Yeah. And he meant so much to you mm -hmm. and so much to his community. How are you doing? Thank you guys so much for all of the uh, posts and cards and well wishes. I will tell you, my grandfather mm -hmm. uh, was born in 1924, and his father was a physician <laughs> in the early 20s. And his father passed, and my grandfather was only one. Oh. And he was his father was very well known in the community. Obviously, there weren't that many black doctors back then. And so growing up, he always felt like he had to follow in his father's footsteps. Uh, yeah. And boy, did he ever. At Howard Med with $18 in his pocket, fast forward to 8,000 patients later, and so <laughs> many people were coming by the house this weekend and hugging my grandmother. They were married for 72 years. Wow. wow. So I'm so thankful for his life, and it has been tough. My heart is heavy, but I am so thankful for the legacy that he left us. So uh, anybody who's grieving knows that it's just tough, <laughs> yeah. and sometimes you just have to sit in it, but then yeah. you look outside and you see the sun and just <laughs> grace everywhere and you know it's going to be okay. And you guys have been mm. just 
amazing. Well, we love so you. thank you. We, we love, love you. you. Thank and you. You're, and you're still learning things about him, yeah. which I find yeah. so amazing. I had no idea he served in the Army for five years. The Army helped put him through Howard Med School. Wow. You know, so we're going to have the flag. And, yeah. you know, I didn't realize back then, I guess obviously the hospitals were segregated. So he was one of the first physicians to be allowed into the hospital. Wow. Black doctors could only get to a certain floor. Yeah. And I remember growing up, he was always at the hospital, like seven days a week. You know, doctors these days, they don't do house calls. They no. would go to homes or after church, he was a deacon, and then he would go to the hospital. Wow. I mean, Sunday to Sunday, he was always yeah. treating patients. How's your wow. mom and grandma? They're holding up. Mm -hmm. My grandmother, I know mm -hmm. you're watching. <laughs> I love you, and we are going to wrap our arms around you, and there's still life left, mm -hmm. and you're, you're great grandchildren, and we're going to do mm -hmm. this together. Yep. Yep. So, nice. Tell your mom we love her. Too. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. 98 years. 98 years. Yeah, years. And just at home with family. Uh -huh. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. We love you. We're back on a Monday morning.